Welcome to the Hunt Backcountry podcast, and thank you for tuning in today. This is episode 218, and we're speaking with one of you, a listener. So our guest went through a bit of a hunting renaissance, if you will, and we talk about his story learning to become an elk hunter as someone from Iowa who's never done such a thing. Lots of good lessons to learn and many things that I'm sure you can relate to in this episode. We also spend a good portion, uh, about the first half of the episode, talking about getting his daughter into hunting and her teenage years and what that process looked like and how it went, the mistakes that he made, the things that he learned. And again, as someone with kids, this is something even I can relate to, but no matter if you have kids of your own that you're looking to get into hunting, I think it's really important for all of us as hunters to consider helping others get into the pursuit. So whether that's kids, adults, it doesn't matter. We play a role in getting other hunters involved in hunting, and there's a lot to learn from that in this story. So thank you for tuning in and checking that out. Before we do dive into this discussion, I want to thank eHaze57 for leaving us a review in iTunes. We want to send you some Exo Mountain Gear and Hunt Backcountry podcast logo swag. So go ahead and send us your shipping address via email to podcast at xmountaingear.com and we'll get you set up. Listeners, if you want to enter into these giveaways, it's real simple. We just want to hear from you. So you can leave us a review in iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you're listening to this, or you can contact us directly via email to give us some feedback on guests you want to see on the show, topics you want to hear about, or a question that you want answered. All right, guys, let's dive into this one. Hope you enjoy it. And again, thank you for taking the time to tune in today. Well, Corey, welcome to the Hunt Back Country podcast. Thanks for joining us this morning. Yeah, you're welcome. I appreciate you inviting me on. Yeah, I'm excited to talk, man. It's um, it's one of the things I didn't fully anticipate when we first started this podcast was being able to also tell listener stories, but it's been one of my favorite aspects of this is um, someone like yourself who's maybe listened to the show, but then gets to also come on and like share your experience because that in the end, that's what's um, most relatable a lot of the times is because it is to hear from the the quote unquote pros or the experts, like most of the folks listening to the show are guys in your shoes, guys in my shoes who are just average guys trying to get it done. So I think it's always uh, good to have these conversations as well. Well, yeah, I appreciate it. I think the, the originally why I sent that email to is, you know, I think sometimes I know you guys get a lot of feedback from guys with, uh, you know, what the podcast can do for them or just um, seeking information and, Sometimes people don't, people complain, but they sometimes don't, you know, hey, say a thank you enough, I think. Hmm. So, you know, people are busy doing different things and you guys doing what you guys do. And it's, I just wanted to reach out to you guys and just say, hey, you know, from my point of view, this is what you guys did for me. Um, And just a big thank you for it and kind of just let you know, like some specifics about what helped me and then kind of help you guys help other people doing the same thing. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, man. One thing I like about your story, and let's just, I guess, go ahead and dive into some background context, let guys get to know you, but, you know, you you do have somewhat of a hunting background, but at the same time, you also have this big gap in there where you didn't hunt for quite a few years. And so, in some ways, 
you have a hunting background, but in a lot of other ways, it's, it comes to both Western hunting, but then um, getting back into big game hunting. It's almost like you came into that as an adult. And we hear from a lot of folks who are just new to hunting, period. They didn't grow up hunting. They're finding the podcast. They're finding about these opportunities, and they're trying to learn. And so you're going to have this interesting mix of both. But go ahead and, I guess, tell us about you know some of those early days for you and what was the original start um, of your interest and, um, experience with hunting? Yeah. When I was a kid, um, it was, I mean, when I was really young, it was just, I don't know what really was the start of it, but you know, it was just the outdoors. I was a kid that like, you know, looked at books of like animals and deer and elk and everything. It's just kind of intrigued me. And a lot of it had to do with, you know, my family, my, my dad didn't hunt. Um, but my grandpa and my uncle did, and I was really close to my, my grandpa and, and my uncle and, and I kind of, you know, I looked up to them and, and that was just, I had that interest and they just kind of fed that interest and just looked like something that I wanted to do. And so as a kid, you know, I just asked questions and then being around them, I just thought it was, it just looked really interesting. Just kind of that adventure aspect of it. And, um, just seeing nature and animals just being out and about just was an interest of mine. And so being around them when I was getting old enough, um, I ex- continued to express the interest and then they, you know, invited me to take me out hunting when I was a kid and I would just go along. I mean, I was really young. I would just go along just to, you know, they didn't want me carrying a gun necessarily. It's too young for that, but just to bring me along to see how I did. And if I still, you know, if I had an interest in it, see how I, you know, responded to it. And, I loved it. You know, like we, you know, the woods that was nearby, we lived in a small town at the time. And, you know, that small piece of wood seemed like a national forest to me, you know, and this is like so cool. And so, you know, I remember going out with my uncle and I just, you know, I looked up to him and I thought this is really, this is really fun being out here and just trying to take in as much as I could. And eventually, you know, getting old enough, we're like, all right, I want to, you know, take my hunter education, um, get certified with that. So then I can actually go out hunt myself. And that's, you know, that's what I did. And, um, I just fell in love with it. You know, it's just, you know, being outside and seeing the sunrises come up and watching the different kinds of birds and animals and trees and just learning that all those little things is just was, um, a big interest for me. And I was able to expand on that, um, with the help of mentors, essentially, you know, my grandpa and my uncle being able to, um, allow me to, to expand on that. So it it was, it made a big impact on my life, you know, when I was a kid and, and then the whole other aspect of it, like, you know, we just went squirrel hunting or something, you know, and Hey, we're bringing home the squirrels. Okay. Now what? Now we're going to skin them, you know, now we're going to, you know, we're going to cook them up and eat them, you know? So it was the full, you got it from beginning to end, you know, um, mm-hmm. what that was like. And I never shied away from it, you know? So, I mean, that was kind of a thing too. It's like, all right, now we went hunting. Okay. Now we bring home whatever it was, you know, now, now how do I respond to that? And it, I never shied away from it. I had interest in it and, you know, here you got to put it on the table and eat it, you know, for the family. So I thought that was really cool. Even as a kid, you know? I like how that started for you. Like it sounded like it was on one hand intentional, but on the other hand, like very natural in terms of you being brought along. And at the beginning, you know, you weren't, 
you weren't the one hunting, you weren't the one carrying the gun, that type of thing, because it's something present in my mind with kids. And um, we can even talk about some of the stories with you and your daughter as well of getting her into hunting. But I don't know, I've at times I've felt overwhelmed by like trying to get them into hunting or to understand hunting or just overwhelmed by everything that's involved. And then on the other hand, it's like just these these little bits of exposure, just taking them along for what for me seems like super simple stuff. But for them, it's just like it all, even the little stuff all is new, right? So like, um, man, even if I'm just taking my son out and we're setting up a ground blind to go whitetail hunting and even just not even the hunt itself, but like going out, going to the woods and picking a spot and telling them about why and showing them game trails and setting up the blind, like that little stuff I think is easy to overlook, but could be lifetime you know, memories and kind of set a way of life for him. Oh, I completely agree. Cause I, I've done a lot of like reflection on that thought about that when I was a kid and try to think a lot about like, what, what was I thinking at the time or what can I remember about that? And that really had an impact on how I tried to approach, um, taking my daughter out, you know, and trying to put myself in that same little boy's shoes of being that same kid, you know, as opposed to being that adult <laughs> and trying to take my kid out. So, you know, it, that really kind of geared towards how I would treat my daughter and trying to take her out and get her exposed to it. But like what you said for me back then, it was, it was nothing like somebody said, Hey, you're coming with me. Let's go out there. It was, it was just like you said, natural. It was like, it was my own interest and it was me seeking to go out there and me asking, can I go with you? And they're like, heck yeah, let's go. You know? And they were, they were proud of that too. But I think it was also that, they also didn't want to force anything and they wanted to see my natural, um, um, how I felt about it essentially. And just like how I, my natural, um, interest to it. So, um, and that's kind of how I wanted to approach it with my own daughter at the same time, you know, mm-hmm. I like it. What talk, let's go ahead and talk about that with your daughter. Cause it's some of the okay. stories I wanted to get into and, sure. um, understanding those experiences. So, you know, we can hit this from different levels. I know that it's been something that's kind of happened over years. And then on one hand, you getting you getting back into hunting has gotten, obviously, your daughter back into hunting. But at what point did she really start to show that interest? Well, I think a long time ago, like maybe she was six or something, you know, and I'm, uh, you know, during that time I was telling you, I had this big, huge gap of pretty much the only hunting I was doing at the time was some um, yearly uh gun hunting for uh, deer hunting and you know when she was like six she'd see me and I'm bringing home deer and she's like she would ask me like dad when are you gonna take me hunting well she's six years old you know and I'm like well you know I don't want to like kill her dreams there at that moment but I'm just like hey you know and I tried to tell her like you're a little bit young but I'll take you out when you get older and um there was just a chunk there probably um probably like eight years ago where a bunch of life changing things and went through a divorce and at the time and, um, you know, there's just a kind of a gap with stuff going on with life. And so she fast forward now where she's older and here a couple years ago, um, she's come to live with me full time and, um, she's been around and it's been awesome. And so she, just all of a sudden, like a year ago, January, we were walking through a sporting goods store and, I was looking at some stuff, of course, and she comes walking around, walking with me, and she goes, she just turned around and asked me. She's like, Dad, she goes, can you take me hunting? 
And I literally like stopped in the middle of the aisle. I turned around and looked at her and I go, um, yeah, of course. But in my mind, I thought I'd, I pretty much missed that opportunity just because of with so much stuff going on. She'd never really expressed much interest before. There's a lot of things going on in life, so on and so forth. And she's just, she's, well, at the time she was 16, she's 17 now. And I just thought, and she's just, she's a teenager. I don't know if she's going to have much interest in wanting to do any of this. So, you know, I didn't want to push any of it if she expressed interest, so on and so forth. But I just thought it was that it probably passed at this moment. So she said that. And I said, okay, well, I said, this is what you got to do. You know, you got to take the hunter safety and, and she was, she made the effort to do it. And that's the kind of thing that where it, those little things that showed me that she had real interest in it was she was like, yep. She goes, dad, I want to take the class. I said, all right. So we went home and she would ask me about it. She goes, dad, can we look up, can we look up online to see if we can find where the nearest class would be and when that would be. All right, let's do that. So we got online, found that, you know, some dates of some classes. She actually drove there herself and took the classes. Wow. Um, you know, it's eight hour day on a Saturday and, um, she went ahead and, and was drove there, took the class. She was done with that. Um, she was all proud. She got her certificate, you know? So the next thing up was spring turkey hunting. And so I kind of was doing the same thing. I was like, well, she wanted to go along, but I didn't want her to like feel the pressure of like, Hey, let's try to get you out there and um, get you to the range. Let's shoot the gun. Let's, you know, blah, blah, blah. Try to like cram this all in in a short period of time. I just wanted to have her come with so she can kind of basically exactly what I did when I was a kid too, just to come out and see it, have no pressure of actually having to carry a gun and worrying about having to shoot anything or whatever, just sit and enjoy it, observe, try to learn some stuff. And you know, that's what she, I asked her if that's what she wanted to do. She's like, yep, dad, let's do it. So that's what we ended up doing. We went up that spring Turkey season. I went with my father-in-law who has also become another mentor of mine as well. And we went out there, uh, the three of us sitting in a blind and turned out awesome. Called in this big old Tom came in and, and, uh, killed the Turkey. And it was really awesome. And I looked at her and I'm like, what'd you think of that? And she was, she was excited and, you know, taking some pictures with it. And, but you know, there too, did the same thing. Like, all right, cool. I killed this nice Turkey. Now we're going to take it back home. And she was interested in like, all right, dad, now what do we do with it? I'm like, okay. So we set it up, you know, field dressed it, you know, and pulled out the meat. And, you know, she was really interested in the end of it too. Like, all right, what are we going to do with the meat now? Like, let's, let's make something with it. And what, you know, what are we going to eat? So she was, it wasn't just like, you know, Hey, let's go out and hunt or, just to go out to kill something. It was, she's seeing the whole picture, which that kind of surprised me as well. Yeah, man, that is so cool. It's, uh, it's neat to see kids get involved anytime. But like you said, to think that you have a 16 year old daughter and on one hand, you probably feel like that opportunity's passed, but then for it to all come together still at that point. Um, that's so cool, man. That's awesome. And at the time it's, it, it at the time is exciting. But you can't, uh, it wasn't until like later after the fact, like, you know, I'm at home a couple of days later, you start really taking it in a little bit more, you know, yeah. thinking back on it and appreciating it. You know, it's like, man, I'm 
45-year-old guy here, and I'm like, got tears in my eyes, you know, like, this is pretty yeah. cool, because I didn't think this is going to happen, you know, and so she's, like I said, I'm not saying, like, she's going to be a hunter for life or anything, I don't expect that, that's just, like, if it happens, it happens, but it was something that, you know, I wanted to get her out and see, because, you know what, dad, dad does this a lot, and so I want her, kind of have that connection with her, too, to just see what, what that's all about, and let her decide what she wants to do from here on out, so, mm-hmm. and after that, she, I go, so, you know, what do you think? Do you want to go out in the fall too? And she's like, yeah, dad, let's do it. So she really wanted to go deer hunting. So that was something we look forward to doing come, come last fall. Um, but now going out and sitting there in the, in the blind turkey hunting is one thing, but we, I need to get her out and like, let her carry a gun. Now I want her to get out and, and, um, experience being on the woods a little bit more than just going on the blind sitting there. So yeah. the plan was for us to, you know, do something simple. Just like when I was, when I was a kid, something simple, fun, easy. It was, you know, take her out, go squirrel hunting. You know, that was kind of the next thing to do, I think. In that journey, getting her squirrel hunting, getting the gun in her hand. I know like there was some, some misses on her part, maybe like some frustration in that. Like what, just because, you know, for, for many of us, we're we wanting to experience that with our kids, and it's not all always easy and perfect. So, like, kind of tell us about the lows and how you kind of worked through that, stayed patient, continued to teach her when, um, you know, she was kind of experiencing maybe some of the, the hard sides of hunting. Yeah, I that so I took her when I was when she was a kid to the range a few times to, you know, get her to shoot a little bit, familiar with guns. Um, you know, I'm a bit of a gun guy and training and kind of what I do for a living. And so, you know, I, I take her out when she was young and she does really well with it. And then we went back out again this year. So she's kind of familiar with the gun and, but then it, you know, going to the range is one thing and being out in the woods and being in shooting positions is a totally different thing. And, you know, try to tell her that and we've worked on it so on and so forth. So this is the part me when we went out is you kind of take for granted and I'm Mark, you probably might feel the same way maybe too is, you know, when you've been doing it for so long, those small little things just become subconscious thought, you know, you just do it. You you've learned over the course of time, like what to do, like how to walk, like, you know, how to be observant and paying attention to things and doing those little things that we just kind of take for granted but now I'm taking my daughter out and we head into the woods. And so then you come to realize, even though she's 16, you know, close to being an adult, it's yet I'm still like I'm teaching a, a little kid because it's like those little small things like, all right, this is how we handle the gun when we walk into the woods. When we get into the woods, like how do we walk? You know, not being loud, not, you know, taking steps where she's just, you know, um, walking all over the place and breaking branches and doing all those kind of, I mean, it's just those little things to point out to her as we're, you know, making our way in. And then as we get in there, you know, we kind of sit first, sit in a spot, the woods becomes electric. We got squirrels all over the place and we have a squirrel coming down a tree and it's coming in close. I'm like, all right, here, here's one right here. And this will be good. All right, now get yourself in a position here. So that translation of going for her to understand that um, you don't have 
five minutes to set up on something, you know what I mean? To get the most comfortable thing in the world and get in a, a position where you're absolutely perfect and we're completely comfortable, like understanding to get into it quickly. And she was trying to do that and squirrel comes in and I think she was kind of priding herself as being, she felt pretty comfortable shooting, but like I said, applying it in the realm of hunting and being on the woods uh, is different. And she was quickly realizing how different that is. And she had her first attempt at a squirrel. It wasn't even that even a far shot. And she shoots and misses. And she's like, what in the world? And I'm like, you know, the squirrel takes off running. And I'm like, all right, that's right. Just, you can see she's kind of visibly like, you know, worked up a little bit. I'm like, that's right. Just calm down. That's all right. No big deal. You know? And we're sitting there for a little bit. Another big fox squirrel comes down the tree and and it's just sitting there. It is perfectly still, nice, clean shot. And I'm like, all right, now just set up, take a knee, get in a position just like I'm like right in her ear. I'm like, just calm down. You're good. And it was that moment where I go, oh, man, because she's trying to find the squirrel in the scope versus finding the squirrel and then bringing the gun up and then looking through the scope. So I'm like, you see the squirrel? It's right, right there. She's like, dad, I don't see it. I'm like, it's, it's right there. She's like, she's looking, dad, I don't see it. I'm like, it's right there. <laughs> she goes, dad, I don't see it. And I'm like, it, Oh my God. It's, it, it's looking, it's waving at you. Like it's, <laughs> she goes, I can't see it. I'm like, and, and then she finally finds it. And at that point, about ready to take off she shoots again misses and i looked at her and i go what are you doing i said well wh- why couldn't you find it and as i was we had a little conversation i then i realized what she was doing was she would i'm like there's the squirrel she'd pull the gun up and then try to find it in the scope like it's binoculars or something and i go no you can't do that like so we talked through that situation and you can see the frustration level build up we had a third squirrel come in and at this point, I'm starting to get a little worked up because I'm like, oh, my God, we got – it's like they're, they're, the, we got squirrels everywhere. And this, this third squirrel comes in. She's like – I'm like, all right, remember what we just talked about? I'm like, try to find it and then find it in the scope. She does that. She still can't find it. She shoots again, misses. The squirrel sits there, and I'm like, I'm like, Ellie – that squirrel sitting right there. You need to take another shot. You, you can, you can take this one. She goes up, misses again. And I'm like, Ellie, what's going on? She turned around and looked at me and I could see it in her eyes. She, the frustration I just spilled over. She starts like tearing up and I'm like, okay, that's all right. And she looked away from me and she's sitting there for a moment. And, and I'm like, okay. I said, we talked through what was going on. And she looked back at me and now it's just all on tears and she's just like crying. And I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> and I took that moment because I go, Oh, okay. All right. I said, what am I doing? Because I can feel my frustration. It probably could feel right. it in my voice. too. And I thought to myself, okay, now I, I got to take it upon my part to like calm myself down to try to calm her down mm-hmm. and not to make it so like, I don't intense. want to add to, Yeah. I don't want to make it as intense or build any more pressure than need be. So anyway, just literally as that's happening, she's still got tears in her eyes talking about it. And then right behind us, 
this girl starts chirping and I turn around. I'm like, I'm like, look, there's one right behind us. This one's really close. And then, so I had her turn around, she turns around and then shoots it. It drops to the ground. I don't think she even saw it. And I'm like, I'm like, let's go check it out. She's still got tears in her eyes and we go walking up and I see it. I see it laying there and I go, I just stop. And I said, all right. She looked at me and she goes, what? I said, let her go ahead to find it. She walks over there. She's looking around. It's like, looks down. She goes, her eyes lit up and she like picks it up. She's like holding it. She goes, dad. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. So it's kind of that. She's literally still had tears in her eyes from all that frustration and missing those three other squirrels to turn around. And now all of a sudden killing her first squirrel. Uh, she was so excited. Um, you know, gave a big hug and it was, it was a pretty awesome moment. It was just that huge up and down of, of her emotionally me, uh, reflecting about how I was as a teacher at that moment and trying to hold back my own frustration and think about, you know, the small things that I need to do better as a mentor teacher to my daughter in those moments that we take for granted and try to help her be more successful. And, um, it was, it was, it was awesome when we, you know, we got that done and a little side note after that, I, we were walking around some more and I ended up shooting a squirrel that was pretty far away. And (laughs) of course I go get that squirrel. Then she's, she's, looking at hers and she goes, she goes, dad, I killed a bigger squirrel than you did. I'm like, <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You're right. Yep. <laughs> we, we did. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's cool. It's, uh, yeah, just several things come to mind with that. It's, it's always interesting to experience how teaching someone about something makes you get a fresh perspective on what you already know. Um, I mean, you mentioned it there. It's like the things you take for granted, how you walk or how you shoot or how you pull up a rifle. Like a lot of that stuff we do um, by instinct or just because we've, we have quote unquote learned what to do. And now we just do it without thought. But in the moments where you're working with somebody new, you just get a fresh perspective on all that stuff all over again. So I think it's, it's almost worthwhile to teach, obviously not only because you're helping someone, but even if you look at it only from a selfish perspective, it I think it gives you as the teacher like a fresh perspective on everything you do, which can be valuable. Um, but then, yeah, man, just, just coming back to the small stuff, right? Like we talk on here, it's the Hunt Back Country podcast, and, you know, it's easy to glorify these big trips or epic hunts or chasing big game like elk, but it's so cool how still lifelong memories can be made, you know, with small game and a, you know, easy place to access and still experiencing the highs and lows of a hunt, even within that short period of time. Um, man, just getting out there no matter what, and then bringing people with you to experience it. It's harder to put a value on that. Yeah. And it's a whole nother level. Like one of the things I do for my job, I'm a uh, firearms instructor and, you know, so teaching I don't, I don't like to say instructor i like to be a teacher and i'm trying to teach people is one thing and try to be better at it as a teacher then you throw in the whole fact of when you have a family member i.e my daughter 
there's just an it just takes it to a different level because there's that emotional tie to it and you know you want them to really succeed you have that you know that emotional tie to somebody like that like my daughter where it just heightens everything and so it it actually was more of a, is way more of a challenge in that regard than it would be if I'm out teaching on the range or something, you know what I mean? So that, that for me was kind of like what you're saying that, that to me was a little more of a later on, it was some self-reflection on, you know, how can I be better in those moments with her and being aware of, you know, this is a kind of a different, different realm than what I'm used to, you know? And, She's not a young kid. She's, you know, she's 17 now. So, you know, she's almost an adult here. So, you know, it's a different way to handle that as well. So any, whether it's specific to teaching kids or just pulling on your experiences as a teacher and instructor, anything else that just comes to mind that we maybe didn't hit that could help listeners is they or whether it's again, trying to get a kid into hunting or I can think even for myself, I got some buddies who just aren't in the hunting space. And so I'm both teaching them to shoot and they're showing interest in hunting. And so even selfishly, just like anything that comes to mind that may help me as I'm both raising kids and getting them into hunting. And then at the same time, always trying to get other guys into hunting as well. Anything that comes to mind? Yeah, I'd say, uh, pay attention to them. You know, like sometimes you go in with a, um, you know, you have an idea of what you want to do, but, be flexible too. you know, like you might want to go in and accomplish something and that might be your end, your end goal there. But depending on who you're out with or the environment in which you're with, be flexible and reading them as well, you know, understand and, and ask them a bunch of questions about what they're thinking and how they're feeling so that you can better understand if they're receiving what you're saying. Cause a lot of times, you know, I might be a, there might be a certain way I might explain something and there's that deer and deer and headlights kind of look at you and you're not sure if they're getting, if they're receiving it, you know, and if they're not, then I have to change how I am then giving them that information and be flexible with that. So if there's alternative ways to explain something to them or show something, um, to them in a way that they could better understand it because people, you know, learn differently and maybe how I worded it, they just don't get it. And that's fine, but be flexible in a way to like better explain something or show something to them, be it a better example so they can um, understand it better. That's good, man. I didn't uh, intend to spend half the show talking about like hunting with kids <laughs> and training, hunt, like uh, teaching hunters, but man, I'm so glad we did for sure. That's good stuff in there. I love uh, not only the practical stuff, but just hearing the stories is I think inspiring to, you know, whether it's for listeners, whether it's your kids or whether it's just for some friend, some other family member, like looking for those opportunities to get more people involved in hunting, whether it's on a big trip or a small trip, like whatever that experience is, but to at least give them exposure and opportunity and see if it's something that they want to do, I think is uh, something we all need to do more of. I I think a, a buddy, Johnny, that I have who runs Washington Backcountry, he like uses this phrase that mentorship is conservation. And uh, we've actually had him on the podcast. And it's an interesting point when I first heard him say that, because you always think of conservation in terms of like managing land and managing animals and all that. But really the future of hunting 
the future of conservation, we all know this, but just to restate the obvious, it so depends on participation, involvement, hunter numbers, people that care. And so even if somebody never becomes a diehard hunter, maybe just taking someone who doesn't have an experience or understanding of hunting and giving them exposure, they might become an advocate for hunting and for public lands and all that stuff even that that isn't their thing. Once they understand it a bit more and understand why we might love it and why it's valuable not only to us, but to conservation and to animals and to all that, like, yeah, it's just, there's there's no downside to getting people more informed and exposed. And it's, it's on us to make sure that we take some of our time to do that. Mark, you said that perfect. <laughs> That's exactly right. What's <laughs> yeah. up? Let's, uh, let's talk. I'm always curious, man. We hear from guys all the time who are new to hunting period, or maybe they've grown up a whitetail hunter. They now want to go hunt elk, that type of thing. That's part of your story. We said, you know, you kind of had those hunting roots and then um, later on got some interest to hunting. So you being from Iowa, tell me about when an elk hunt came onto your radar um, and how, and then like, how did you make the decision that it's something you wanted to do? Yeah, I, it would, you know, when I, like I said, when I was a kid, you know, it became, it was deer hunting and I fell in love with bow hunting. That was my first love and, and spent a lot of time doing that when I was a kid into my early teens. Um, you know, at that time, you know, like elk hunting, mule deer hunting, stuff like that, that just, that was, that was almost seemed unobtainable. You know, that just seemed like almost like an African hunt. Like that just seemed so far away and it'd be cool to go do it, but it was just kind of the more of this exotic thing. And, um, I really didn't understand the accessibility to it really. And, you know, growing up and like seeing different shows or reading different stuff, it was almost always like a, it was always something where you had to spend $10,000 to go do. It was like a thing that was, um, this big outfitted guided thing that cost thousands of dollars so it always seemed like it was in my mind it was something like maybe someday you know maybe someday when i'm older and i saved enough money or something that i could go do and so it probably didn't actually come in maybe like 10 years ago i have a cousin i have a cousin that had gone a couple times and made mention to it at the time to me and i was like asked if I'd be interested in going and I'm like, yeah, but I needed to know more about it. Unfortunately, at the same time, there was a big life changing events that happened at the exact same time. So that kind of went way to the back burner and didn't give it much thought. Um, and so really fast forward to probably a couple years ago, probably two and a half years ago. Um, just seeing as I was searching around on the internet, looking up stuff for other hunting and things that pop up, with some of the elk hunting stuff and just watching and reading different things. And then I started to better understand like, Holy crap. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Like guys are going DIY for did not really costing much. Just you can, there's all this access. Like I just, I didn't understand that. Like I didn't spend, I did that just, I didn't wrap my mind around that. I didn't know that he wasn't available. Like, you know, in Iowa, there isn't, it's mostly all private land, like public land hunting isn't, I mean, guys do it and it's, it's available, but it, there's small tracks of it. It's not like it is in the West. So that whole concept was hard to wrap my mind around too. And I was like looking 
into it more and I'm like, this is kind of a thing I could do. And I'm like, I want to go do that. Like, I want to do it. I'm not sure how I'm going to do it. Somehow I'm going to do it. I got to figure out how I, I need to put myself in position to go, go do that. So at the same time, uh, another cousin who had gone over the last few years and gone out to Colorado and I had spoken to him and that really expressed some interest too and in kind of learning about how, how you're able to do it. And so um, it's probably like a year and a half ago, uh, my brother-in-law um, decided to go, him and a buddy ended up going for the first time in 2018. And at the same time, this is where I'm like finding out more about it and reading stuff. And I was like, okay, I'm doing this somehow. He tells me, he's like, oh, hey, I'm going to go out in Colorado. It was too late for me to go along, but they went. And uh, when they got back, I told him like, I'm, I would really like to go. He was like, yeah, man, let's plan it for 2019. Let's go. And I'm like, perfect. So that became the turning point to me because now I just became, it was like one thing to say, Hey, I'm going to go elk hunting. And then all of a sudden you realize like, wait a minute, I don't know anything about elk hunting. I don't know much anything about elk. Like I now have to then be serious about it and try to learn as much as I can about what I'm about, what my, my next endeavor is going to be here. And, um, I just didn't, I was certainly not going to show up, um, not know what I'm doing. And from everything that I've seen and read at that point was, you know, I need to take this seriously and I want to be successful and have a good experience. What did you feel like were the biggest areas you needed to learn or was it just everything? I mean, from, from gear to finding a spot to like understanding elk behavior and calling to the physical, pre- like, was it just everything or was there like a top one or two things that was like, Oh geez, I'm what, what am I going to do here? You know, it was mostly learning about elk um, and elk hunting, really, because, you know, from being a deer hunter and spending a lot of time doing that, you know, over the course of time, you just, you you know, you learn how a deer acts, you learn how um, how to hunt them, you, 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 you learn all that over the course of time. And I'm like, I realized, man, I don't, it's a different ball game. Like, I don't know what elk are like and I don't know how to hunt them. It's a totally different environment. Like I don't know nothing. And so I can, I could show up there with a quit bit and a bow in my hand, but I'm just going to be standing there not knowing where I'm doing. So, you know, it's not like I have access to it here, you know, like here I can, you know, if I've got a place to hunt, I can head out whenever I want. I, I have to literally make a trip to do that. So I have to prepare myself best I can. So, I wanted to try to soak as much information about elk and elk hunting as I could so that when, if I did show up there, I kind of had some sort of idea what I was doing when Mm -hmm. I showed up. Yeah. So looking back at it now and over the course of the last couple of years, as you've been, um, you know, on that endeavor to learn and at the same time I've done the hunt now, like what resources stick out as helpful, um, you know, specifically that you feel gave you some good knowledge there? Your guys' podcast um, was one of the top ones, and I don't even remember how I found you guys, to be honest. Um, maybe I was looking for a pack or something. I think it popped up in maybe a YouTube feed or something, and um, then I'm like, okay, what's this place? And then I clicked on the website. I'm like, oh, what's this? Oh, it's a podcast. Oh, check this out. And then I'm like looking back at the podcast, and then I went back to past 
episodes and I'm like, oh man, this looks interesting. I'm like, oh, this will be good. So I started downloading a bunch of that. And, you know, and then on top of that was um, Elk 101. That was a really good resource too. It's just like this really good interactive encyclopedia of information that doesn't get so deep and inundate you with the information, but gives you solid information and it's e- easy to maneuver through um, and has visuals in there as well. So that was, that was very helpful. Um, listening to podcasts like Randy Newberg, places like that. Um, sometimes the other side of it is, is that you can see all that and it can just be overwhelming. It could be like, there's too much information. Um, so it was kind of, I don't say sticking to certain ones, but picking a few like the ones I mentioned and, you know, and this podcast and just kind of making those of my, as my base so that I didn't get feel overwhelmed, which I kind of did initially. And, and at the same time, what that also did for me is like, there could be an episode talking about a certain aspect of something. There'd be another episode talking about something similar and it kind of overlaps topics what that also did for me was it kind of helped reinforce that information. So it could be so much information can be on overload, but when you have it repeated multiple times or repeated and overlapped with something else, it just kind of helps that information stick in my mind where then it becomes for me more of a knowledge base as opposed to something I might've heard or read one time, you know, so that I can apply it when I'm out there so that it becomes like when I see something, I'm like, oh, yeah, yep, I know what I, hey, I've heard about that. Hey, we can attack it this way, or this is what I need to do, or so on and so forth. So um, that was I, that was probably one of the bigger things for me. Yeah, that's, that's a great point, man. It's easy just to let information in without really taking it in or digesting it or understanding it. It's just, you know, you can turn on a podcast and it's just in and out, that type of thing. Same thing with a video or any other resource, right? But actually taking that information, trying to really digest it, understand it, put it in the memory bank, if you will, so that it is useful in the future. Like that's a totally different level of learning at that point. I mean, that's true learning versus just information in and out, you know? Exactly. And, and, and there was some stuff like, you know, gear stuff related things that, you know, that I picked up on you know, I took notes of or saved that podcast. I can go back and review it when I came to that point where I needed it. But when it came to like hunting strategies, elk, be- elk behavior, things like that, um, those are the kind of things that with overlap with other uh, sources of information just kind of helped let that stuff soak in and marinate a bit so that I can actually retrieve that information on a whim when I need to apply it. Leading up to the hunt itself, how did you feel? Um, what were your expectations? What were your concerns? Did you feel confident? I mean, it's just one of those things where it's when it's new. You like on one hand, as much reading, learning, listening as you do, you still are like, I still don't know what I'm actually getting into. Like, I haven't done this. So, like, just leading up to the hunt or just starting the hunt, what were you thinking and feeling there? I was super excited. Uh, uh, anxious a little bit too. Um, you know, I kind of think I said in your email too, like I, you know, there's things that I'm about to 
go do that I've never done before. Not even, I'm not even talking about the hunting part of it, just like, you know, camping. Uh, I've never done any of that stuff. So it was kind of in my mind, it was like a test for me, just a personal test. Like, how am I going to react to this kind of things? Um, um, just kind of better myself. I kind of looked at it that way as well. So going into the hunt, it was, uh, doing the hunting part, but it's all some of those other smaller things that, um, were on my radar too. And so I was super excited, but, uh, anxious, uh, not really nervous, just anxious and excited, I guess. Um, and when we headed out on the trip, you know, we get there, uh, we get to the place where we parked our vehicle, um, we had set up, we had picked a spot on Onyx on the map where we were going to hike to, to set up a camp, basically just set up our tents there. And we were going to hunt out of that area for at least a couple days. And it was that moment, you know, heading out there and just seeing the mountains being up and up seeing the environment. And I'm just like, Oh my God, this is awesome. I love this. This is so cool. So I'm just kind of like staring. This is just taking it all in, but you know, we get there and park grab our gear out of the back of the truck, you know, and grab my exo pack, get everything ready to go, strapping everything on. And then there's that kind of like, holy shit moment. Yeah. Like we're, this is, this is not all that planning and thinking <laughs> about it, thinking about it. It's, it's, it's tangible now. It's real. Like that yeah. mountain out there in front of me, I could go touch that if I want to. So there was that kind of moment, like, I think I'm prepared. You know, I think we can do that. I'm, I'm excited. Let's do this. But it's like, oh shit, this is for real now. You know? Yeah. And, and I can tell you what, after about, oh, first two, 300 yards of hiking. Oh yeah. It was, remi- <laughs> I was quickly reminded <laughs> I'm not at home anymore. <laughs> it's not Iowa. Yeah. 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 I love that, man. It's, uh, that like anxiety, anxiousness excitement like that cocktail of those feelings is it's so cool i love i love that moment like and that's why i love hunting new country a lot or just doing new stuff in general it's just that no matter how much you again read about it hear about it whatever like until you're there until you're doing it and then you get like that total mix of emotions in there i I just love that man that's like the start of an adventure there yeah and and that it was, we started going and I'm like that feeling of not knowing what I'm doing, but I also felt kind of confident too. Like, you know, I'm like, it, I just didn't show up there. You know what I mean? Like I I did a lot of homework, but I felt confident, but also feeling of, okay, (laughs) what are we doing (laughs) at the same time? So Mm -hmm. yeah, it was, that was pretty interesting. Cool. So how was that, man? You, you guys hike in and you said you don't really have like this camping or specifically a back packing um background or experience so as you said even aside from the hunt there's all this other stuff how how did that go for you what did you learn did you like it what what did you do wrong what did you do right just in terms of that whole aspect of call it living in the backcountry for you know however many days well i i you know i that was kind of one of the tests for me and i going into it i'm like i want to do this this is going to be awesome but then at the same time in the back of my mind i'm like at the end of the day, am I really going to like this? You know, am I at the end of the day going, man, this sucks. Like, I don't like doing this at all. So, um, you know, I was 
excited to experience it and see how I feel about it. And one of the good things for me is there, there, like I said, I'm going into it trying to learn as much as I can. And at the same time, one of the, some of the great things like about this podcast is some of the, even the small things when you guys are talking about like um, some of the gear choices that you, that you have used that you have used in the past or you currently use the reasons why um, small things like how I, how to ideas and how to put stuff, how to stuff your pack, you know, and how to um, uh, trekking poles, just little things like that, where it helped, it helped my learning curve and not have to deal or worry so much about small things that might make my trip suck. And I can concentrate more on the hunt and what we're doing there. So having all those kinds of things, I felt pretty confident in that part and felt like I had pretty good gears, you know, selections. I felt pretty good in that, um, that aspect of it. Um, and when we started off, we got heading up to camp and just that first day of not understanding, like I, you know, I did some physical prep before the trip, but having that pack really learning how to, how that pack should feel with the weight. Cause we were carrying at that point, um, all our gear, uh, tents, sleeping systems. And then we had, I mean, I was packing in, I think six days of food. Cause at that point I didn't know if we were going to, we were going to maybe work out of where we we're going to camp that area, probably the rest of our hunt. However, later we ended up changing midweek, but so I was carrying in six days of food as well. So it's pretty heavy pack as we went in. And did you ever weigh that? Do you know how much your pack weighed going in? Yeah, we, I think before we left, uh, everything in my pack plus six days of food, no water. I think I was at 45 pounds. Okay. Got it. So I don't know that height, that heavy. Yeah. I, I, I was just curious. Like it's one of those things where, um, you know, over time you learn things. Right. And so, but it, it is one of those, I've seen guys be at 40 pounds, like guys be at 60 pounds. So 45, it, you know, that's not surprising at all. And it's not terrible. Um, but it is funny how I've also talked to guys who are like, yeah, I was going in for five days. My pack was 65 pounds. So I was just wondering if it was that or, but yeah, 45 yeah. pounds, like you're, you know, you're going to feel that for sure. Especially then, you know, going into the mountains and being at some elevation, like that's, that's work when you're just coming from flatland. Yeah. I think we, we, the, the park where we were at, um, uh, we parked the vehicle and headed out, I think it was uh 9,300 feet and we started heading out the trail. We were going to go on the trail for a bit and then go off trail. And we actually then went straight up and we we're going to, a uh, kind of a flat spot, a, a kind of a bench area up on a finger ridge that we were going to camp out of because we had some spots that we had marked on onyx that we wanted to go check out during the week and and we went off trail and we started heading up and i mean <laughs> just i'm trekking along and i didn't understand like my pace of trying to hike along with that heavy pack the elevation like it started kicking my ass and um we started heading up and i'm, I'm doing all right but you just realize like man this is just trying to navigate all that and try to get up to where we're going. And, um, it, we eventually made it up to our spot, um, towards the end of the day and we set up camp, try to find where we, uh, we had water nearby, um, set everything up, 
we thought maybe we were going to hunt later that day. We kind of really didn't have time. We spent more time just getting our camp prepared and so on and so forth. Um, and then, you know, get my tent out, get everything set up. And I would just tell you like through the course of the week, like everything worked out well, like everything that I'd used, I enjoyed it. You know, I mean, being out there for the week, being in the tent, it was, I just had a good time. Like I did really well with it. And that's one of the things I could check off on my list as a win for me. Like I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a good time. Um, and gear selection wise, I did, I thought pretty well with what I had. I didn't feel like I, um, needed to make any huge improvements. I don't think so. Um, that worked out really well for me. Yeah. I'm glad to hear you're not pack shopping. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 that yeah. worked out good. Yeah. Um, what did you use for shelter tent? I had a, um, big Agnes copper spur. Oh yeah. Nice. That's solid. Um, that's cool. So, you know, we've already are far into this podcast. Don't have probably time for like a day by day and every highlight and little light of the story, but you mentioned you went in with five, six days of food. You guys ended up moving. Um, sounds like maybe after a few days. So in that, let's call it the first half of the trip, if you will, before you guys moved, did you get into elk at all? Or did you move because you're in this spot, you packed in and just you're not seeing any sign, not hearing anything? What was that first half of the trip before you moved? Well, we as we were making our way up to camp, you know, we came across um, some elk sign and some rubs, um, um, some trails and different things like that. And you can kind of mark them on the map. We get to where we camp that day. The very next day, we had a spot nearby, kind of a little bench that we wanted to go um, check out in the morning. And we set up to do some calling and we set up to do some calling and um, we sat there for a little bit and we then decided to go move, move along and check out another spot. And, um, the other two guys came over to where I was at. And the weird thing was, is, um, it's kind of a failure on our part too, was as they were coming towards us, or I mean, as, um, my brother-in-law and other buddy was coming over, I heard it. I heard a cow call which i thought was our buddy like you know we call call like hey you can come on down everything's you know good here you can come on down but the call came from behind me at the same time that they're making their way over to me and as they made their way over i looked at them like hey did you just call call and they're like well no i'm like i'm like man that sounded really close behind me because behind me it dropped off down and I thought, huh? well then we we're talking for a minute. And I was explaining that to him. And next thing you know, we hear a elk bugle not that far from us. And I'm like, Holy crap. That was like, we all looked at each other like that's super cool. Yeah. And it, it, it was like two of them. Like one was up a little bit high in our elevation. One was dropped down and we, and we went, okay, well we're going to drop down to just with the um paying attention to thermals and whatnot we started to drop down and the bugles were getting closer we dropped down to try to set up for a play and my brother-in-law was in front of us 
and he just stopped midway down, looked back at us and pointed to his eyes like he could see. And he could see the very bottom of the bull walking along the brush, but lost it in the brush. We couldn't tell where it went. Um, at that point, we tried to call and then they went silent. So however we messed that up, that was the extent of our experience. But that was the first thing on the first, our actual first morning of the hunt. So we all looked at each other and thought, this is awesome. Like, all right, cool. Like, this is pretty cool. Yeah. But that ended up being pretty much the extent of it. You know, we were checking out a bunch of different places. We saw a lot of sign, but nothing super fresh. So, um, and we didn't see any other hunters those first two and a half days. And we kind of got to the point where we thought, well, you know what? Hey, let's, let's drop down and go back to like where we parked. And we'll camp out of that area and work some of the lower elevations and some of the other ends of the area that we're hunting and try to find, see if we can locate elk and find some fresher sign and so on and so forth. So we had that first day, I technically didn't see any elk, my brother-in-law did, um, but we had bulls bugling. Um, That second day we hunted, we were doing some calling. I actually called and had a a lazy or lazy bull respond back to me, but we couldn't locate it after that. Um, that was super exciting, but you know, those little small things, but we just didn't really run into any at that point. We didn't hear much calling. We're just trying to find, locate them and find fresh sign. We weren't able to do that in the first two and a half days. Got it. So you guys decided to go, you essentially, you head back down towards the truck and then you said you're camping at the truck and making, you know, trips from that basically as your base camp now. Yeah. Yeah. So we did that on Wednesday, midweek, we worked our way back at that point. When we did that, we started running into other hunters. Uh, yeah, we start. we ran into multiple hunters at that point. Um, so that, and that kind of played into the rest of our week as well. So, so armchair quarterbacking it, are you glad you made that move? Would you, think if you're doing it again now and you were seeing the sign you were and hearing the little bit that you did would you have stayed in that type of country longer i mean obviously you don't know um but what's your initial thought on that if you were to go back there now yeah that part was part of it is too is like you know you're you're out there and you're trying to figure it out right and at the same time you're thinking am i doing this right you know and am I just in the wrong spot? Do I even have any idea what I'm doing? When we came down and we saw some other hunters and we talked to actually a couple of them that were local and that hunted a couple other units, everybody that we were running into at the same time were telling us that, man, they're having a hard time finding the elk. Uh, they're really quiet. Um, there's a couple guys that we saw that had hunted that same exact spot, same time last year and they were in elk like crazy and they had close encounters at huge bull they had full draw at 12 yards i mean they had a lot of encounters during that exact same time a year ago same spot and they were there again a year later when we were there and he said this is like 180 degrees the other way as far as elk activity so that that's i mean that wasn't good but it helped us a little bit feel like okay it is a lot to do with how we're approaching this and what we're doing, but it also made us feel better in a way like, okay, Hey, we're, it's not just us as well. You know, there's, we're still, the activity here isn't like 
like what others had experienced before. And so we need to then kind of think about where we want to, how we want to approach this and expand where we're looking at that point. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't, what's been a magic spot one year isn't going to be magic next year, you know, for sure, especially in those, those types of areas and over the counter and pressure and all weather. I mean, there's so many variables that, that can change that for sure. Yeah. We, we found, we found a spot that we really were excited about the next day that was at lower. We found the freshest of sign, but again, that kind of got ruined by some hunters that came through at the exact time when we were setting up on it really? and with the wrong wind. And yeah, kind of, that was a bummer. Um, but yeah. Takeaways, you know, whether it's a story from that second half of the trip, just how you look back at it now. Um, yeah. I mean, what stands out from the rest of this trip or, you know, just your perspective now after the trip that, um, you think would be helpful for listeners? It's all that preparation, all that time spent reading, um, watching things, so on and so forth. I, I kind of knew it at the time, but all that information coming in at the same time, I had no context to it. You know, like we can talk about uh, what the environment looks like, uh, what the mountains are like, how to like hear about trying to climb um, trails, um, carrying your gear, um, being in situations. It, listening to all that stuff but at the end of the day until you go out there and do it you have no real context to it so having that context to go oh now i know it now i know what they're talking about now i have that knowledge base a little bit to say okay hey this worked for me this didn't work for me hey now i know what they're talking about when they you know there's certain things act a certain way now i know what the elevation is like now i can see what hey this is what this you know, bench or saddle looks like and, you know, learning the topography and being confident and, and navigating my way through all kinds of uh, navigating myself through all that is if you don't go out there and do it, you're, you're never really going to know. And so just getting yourself out there. Yeah. Now, you know, what blowdowns like what it's really like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and, and that, you know, hearing that stuff and seeing pictures of a video, you're like, Oh, that's cool. And we ran into blowdown and it was rough, but that last day we hunted on that Friday, we got to a point where we ran into some blowdown that was out of this world, but it was like pixie sticks that you just, it was so thick. We were trying to find a trail through that. We couldn't, I fell down twice face first. Like, you know, that foot gets caught. You can't do anything. I, poked a hole in my pants the couple other buddies they had fallen multiple times and we just couldn't at that point we we're like oh my god if we get to where we're going how are we going to get back out of here and and <laughs> and if we got an elk then what crying out loud how are we going to navigate through this yeah. we'll do it at night oh it's like oh my goodness blowdown's like a like i've been in stuff where it's just like a little pocket not too bad but i've been in some stuff that's truly just like a hellhole. There's no other way to describe it. But what kills me about it is you find yourself in the middle of it and go, how did we even get in here? Like, didn't we see this coming? You know, obviously it didn't look this bad, but somehow now we're in the middle of it. I don't know how we got into it or how to get out of it or which way is the best. I mean, it's that stuff can be so deceiving. Well, that's you basically described what happened to us when we were trying to follow this trail to get to this far end of where we're going and we're trying to get there and we're 
there was some private that was sort of nearby. So we had to take this way. We're trying to find the, the trail. We walked past the trail where it splits off. Couldn't find it. Couldn't find it. We're like, where the heck is this trail? Well, we finally found the trail, but it was starting to get overgrown and it's, it went straight up. We head up to this little ridge, we get to the top and that's where we found the blowdown from hell. And so we're like, okay, now I understand why this trail is starting to go away because the trail goes right through where the blowdown was and nobody's used it. And so it had basically started to, to get overgrown, but we were trying to follow and try to get through there. And it was like, you looked ahead and you're like, well, I think it's clear over there. I think we just go a little bit farther. I think we'll be okay. You go a little bit farther. Oh my God. No, it's not. There's even more of it. It's worse. And you just keep going. And at some point you go, okay what do you cut your losses here? Because this is getting like, we're all falling all over the place and you're surprised somebody didn't get impaled. Yeah. But, <laughs> Oh man. What, uh, one other thing that stands out just in a point you kind of mentioned was paying attention to your instincts. And I think it's, especially as you're new to something, you've done all this research, you are referring back to these things you've heard or read or watched it can be really easy to put all the focus on that, on the call it like outside information and then easy to overlook your instincts or maybe not trust your instincts because you're like, well, I'm new to this. I don't know what I'm doing. Yada, yada, yada. But I think inside of us, we all do have instincts that can be valuable even when we're doing something completely new in a brand new place and hunting new species. So for you, how did that play out in terms of paying attention to your instincts? Well, there's times where I didn't pay attention to my instincts, and that's where I went back and went, man, uh, I, I, you kind of knew better. And it's one of those things where you run into a situation, uh, for example, like the day we we actually, that Friday, we were actually laid our eyes on elk for the first time, and they were working from private into public, and we're watching them, and then we're trying to figure out how to make a play on it. And we decided to, the, the one way I, my instinct was to go this certain way and get to another area so we could try to make a play on those those elk we had a conversation amongst ourselves and we decided to go a separate way which i'm like okay we'll, we'll go that way my instinct was we should try to hedge here because i think we can get there quicker but you know in our discussion it made sense like we can go this way too that spiraled into a bad situation where we ended up getting ourselves stuck in a swamp and so on and so forth. It just spiraled out of control. But, you know, looking back, that wasn't, that was a situation where I'm like, it, it burns a little bit because I'm like, man, I just, if I would have just said, yeah, Hey, let's just try it this way and, and go this route. I know it's, it's a, uh, you know, Monday quarterback here, but you know, at the same time, my instinct was to do that. And then we did it. And so now it makes it even worse because, you know, it was a play that, you know, might not have worked out, but I would have, at the end of the day, I would have felt better about it. I could have went there and did that and failed, but felt good about it in the sense that it was my instinct to go that route as opposed to, you know, going a different way of approaching it. And because of what maybe others have said or so on and so forth at the time when you're there in the environment, sometimes you just feel like based on your other hunting experiences that you've had or being out and about is trying to approach it a certain way and going for it. And like, I feel like at the end of the day, if I messed it up or failed at it, then so be it. But 
it was, you know, I felt good in my convictions about doing it. It's just after the fact, then you go back and you're like, man, I should have done something, should have done it differently. And that's harder to, harder to live with later on, you know? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's easy to get caught up in, you know, I call it the paralysis of analysis, right? Like you can overanalyze everything and that's all another interesting reason. I mean, it's always good to come back to instincts is in your head, you can play games and look at things and overanalyze and analyze and think of what elk should do or what you should do. And, um, yeah, it not getting so stuck in your head, but just at least paying attention to your instincts is something that for me, I have to come back to, you know, just cause I am more analytical in nature in terms of how I think. Yeah. And, and not, not to interrupt you, Mark, but that was like the, the same thing that for that first, that first morning when we had that encounter um, with that bull, when I heard that cow call behind me in the back of my mind, I knew like that was not them guys calling. Like I knew behind me, like that was, that was, I think a legitimate cow behind me just down the Ridge. But yet I second guessed it because I'm like, Hey, was it one of them guys calling to us to say, Hey, you can come on over. Um, you know, was that really what that, what, you know, like, did I really hear that? I mean, it was, it was fairly loud. So it wasn't like it was some faint thing, but at the same time, you're like, wait a minute, what's going on? And then the, the bull starts bugling and then trying to attack that, like looking back at it, there are certain hunting instincts that you have that I, I would have liked to approach that differently at the time. But as it was happening, you start doing something and you're like, ah, this is not going, this isn't going well, you know, man, this has been so good. Um, just to wrap up, I'm curious what's what's on the docket for you. Are you going back into the elk woods this year? What are things looking like for the future? Yeah, definitely. Um, the plan is to head back out again. This um, head back out in September. Um, you know, buying points to different places or different states, and uh, basically the fallback is going to be probably over the counter in Colorado. Um, but looking to eventually, you know you know, buying points, Wyoming, you know, just putting stuff, random draws into lottery draws, essentially into like New Mexico and places like that. See if it happens, you know, but at the end of the day, we'd still want to go out, um, and make it happen and and get the experience. So if we could do an over the counter somewhere, probably Colorado or something just to at least get out there. Um, that's, that's the plan. So, um, that's what we're looking to do come this year. Cool. Any, one final word um, or thought for anybody who's new, um, maybe on the fence about going for the first time, maybe gone a time or two, hasn't had success. And um, for guys in those shoes, what's, what's one final thought or thing that comes to mind? You know, I've heard it many times in all the different things that I've watched and read is you just have to go out and do it. You just have to go out and do it. I'm like, yeah, I get that. But, you know, you want to feel prepared when you get out out there and using the resources like this podcast and other places to help you feel more comfortable so that when you go decide to go do it you don't feel completely lost and yes they are right at the end of the day you just have to get out there you just have to get that that context of um having that experience of what everybody's talking about and i believe i think the other important thing is and I think I mentioned this in my email too, is I went out there in my mind with a mental checklist of things that was going to make my trip successful. 
most importantly, in my mind, that trip was not is not based on the fact that I come home with elk elk meat. That was not going to make my trip successful. Yes, that would be great if I did, and absolutely would love to have bring that back. But that was not necessarily going to be a thing that made it successful. It was all these other little things, you know, like seeing elk, seeing elk sign. How successful was it with my camping and all that kind of? Th- I had those little things in my mind that was going to, um, in my mind, going to be a successful trip. And I think someone going out there should approach in a way like, Hey, just don't make it. Hey, I got to bring elk home. Um, have, have those little things going out there saying, Hey, this is going to be a success for me if I can accomplish these things as well. Um, cause at the end of the day, you know, the success rates aren't that awesome. So, um, gaining the knowledge experience and, um, having a good time, I mean, those are important things, but um, I think having that kind of a mental approach going out there um, will help you as opposed to going out there feeling like everything is weighed by the fact that if it's a success or a failure, if I don't come home with elk meat. Well, that's a great way to cap it, guys. As we've talked about many times, it's about much more than the hunt itself. This, This entire process, this entire pursuit, and especially when you can share that with others, There's so much to take away from it. Thank you again for tuning in. Don't forget you can contact us directly by email to podcast at exomountaingear.com. We will talk to you soon.